0: listeners, and welcome to another episode of Edgeguard, a podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. My name is Jordan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Blake.
1: Hey there, Jordan. I'm Blake.
0: Uh, and this week, we are talking about a uh, game, the newest game by Paolo Peraccini. I think I'm saying that right. Um, I'm not sure. The uh, man behind Male Industria um, also might be saying that wrong. Um, and this game is called Dogness. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Paolo's work, he has been making, like, satirical or otherwise kind of, like, culture criticism-type games um, for, like, over a decade now, I think. Maybe 15 years even. Um, he, w- he made... His most famous one's probably Phone Game, which is a game about the, the like, economic processes behind... Uh, the production of iPhones, which uh, his claim to fame was it was banned from the iTunes store. Uh, I guess uh, Apple didn't like people knowing where their phones come from. So
1: <laughs> 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 the proverbial sausage being made was not something that... Uh, <laughs> was good for the bottom line. Wanted, yeah. ...wanted out there. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um,
0: this game is... Uh, well, I'm just going to read the description because I think it's funny. Um So, dogness. These games, or these dogs have fallen... You've already fucked up, Jordan. (laughs) Damn it. Oh, good lord. Uh, These dogs have fallen for a breedist (laughs) dogmagog. Will they manage... Oh, typo. Will they manage to become the purest and most homogenous dog park by selectively breeding themselves and controlling immigration? Help them achieve their glorious destiny. Um, so the premise of the game is that there's some sort you're controlling the uh, dog reproduction this little dog park trying to uh, breed the dogs into uh, a set uh, mold that has been I think it's different in every game but that's yes. been um, uh, like prescribed by this, authoritarian dogma-gog. dog dogma it's great dogmagog is so good <laughs> um which i mean there's some pretty i mean he's just sort of like a nondescript kind of right-wing populist but uh there's some clear trump parallels in that at the end of his opening speech he says we must mac dispark grayet again <laughs> Yeah, like in, in dog dog speak.
1: Yeah, and he's also got he's also got some Hitlery vibes. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, he yeah he like stands on a pedestal and there's like a big pennant with a dog paw on it hanging down. Yeah, I guess pennant maybe isn't the word like a banner. I don't know what do you call the. I feel like that type of a hanging banner has a name, but I don't know what it is. I don't remember.
0: Uh, dude, I don't know either. It's probably German.
1: Some, no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's f-
0: a fascist dog basically. Right. It's you're, like- <laughs>
1: you're, you're on the quest for the, the Uberhund, uh,
0: <laughs> The Uber Oh no. Uber <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> no,
1: but, uh, like sort of more strictly mechanically, uh, the, you're presented with the like model of the, the perfect dog, uh, that is like always up in the corner of your screen, and it is a specific color, and is a specific height, has a different thickness. There are like a number of uh, variables that the the dog breeds, or I guess they're they're not really specific breeds, but the different dogs in the game can have. So it's kind of like they basically exist on a scale from like green to red, red, yeah, and then a all the colors scale from in between, like really short to tall, and then. Mm-hmm. A scale from like fat to skinny, and then there's like snout lengths and that sort of thing.
0: I think maybe also like ear prominence, where
1: they're they're folded or whether they stick straight up is another thing. So, So basically, what you're doing is you start with a handful of dogs, and as you hover over each dog, it tells you what percentage. Uh, similar to the uber Hound they are. Yes.
0: What percent dogness they have.
1: Yeah. Percent dogness. I should say, I shouldn't say the uber <laughs> That's something I came up with. But I'm proud of it. It's so- pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what their, what their level of dogness is and up in the corner, as you hover over each dog, it like shows it next to, or sort of like superimposed on top of the like ideal dog. So you're trying to get closer and closer by breeding the traits that you want to, out of them in like basically so say the dog that uh, you're shooting for is really tall but your current dog that is most similar to the uh has the highest dogness uh (laughs) is really short so then you find another dog that is tall and breed it with your dog with high dogness and hope that the net result uh like the puppies have an even higher dogness than the original one
0: and we should uh I should say that what happens is you you click and drag the dog onto another dog and there's a very short little mating animation where there's some... that like blurs out the dogs and then you see them like humping each other and then uh, <laughs> it's little, like this- a little litter of puppies. It's so like funny too because they just look like... They're like very minimally
1: animated so they oh, look yeah. like just two little dog toys that some kid is pushing against each yeah. other. <laughs> and they they don't they don't really animate at all. They just kind of bounce around and then yeah, they yeah. bounce to each other. It kind of uh, do you ever play like The Sims when you were a kid? Because it would get to the part where you yeah. like, The Sims were supposed to be doing it, and the screen they, would like they'd go un-
0: under the um, under the, the covers in the yeah.
1: vibrating heart shaped bed, <laughs> and you could just see that. I remember that. Flying Classic. But anyway, uh, it's a uh, so the game is basically you selectively dragging shit on top of other shit. And hopefully, trying to get the right result, I guess. Um, but it's actually pretty tricky because uh, you don't—you uh, can sort of control what dogs you let in. Well, you can't really control what dogs you let in. You can you control, control whether any. Whether you're yeah. uh, you have like a little gate to your dog part that you can close and open. So if you just leave it open, then a bunch of dogs will crowd in. But kind of your metric of success is the uh, like. N- Uh, I think it's like the average of the dogness of all the dogs in your park. So if you're just letting a bunch of random dogs in and a bunch of dogs that have like a really low percentage of similarity to the perfect dog, then uh, you're going to bring down your rating. But if you're like kicking Uh, out all the shitty ones, but the problem is, is you, you kind of want to keep a a flow of random dogs coming in because they can be very helpful in, uh, getting closer to the yeah, getting the specific um,
0: traits you need.
1: Yeah, because yeah. because the thing is, if you just do, if you just look at the percents, I
0: realized this after playing it once. Mm-hmm. If you just look at the percents and just like take the two highest percents you have and just mash them together over and over again, you oh, get yeah. uh, inbreeding. Which yep. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what that does, but I think they die sooner.
1: Uh, yeah, they die faster, and I think their dogness rating goes down, even if they would have been closer to mm. the to the like ideal, uh, like, because you are inbreeding them, uh, they, they lose a certain percentage and also they get like weird distorted body parts. Like their heads will be like lopsided or they'll have like, weird yeah, yeah. Paws. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sometimes it can be hard to keep track of like, if dogs are related and sometimes it's just like you yeah. mush them together and then it's like, ah, those, that was that dog's mom. That's horrible. One thing I tried doing, it didn't work, but I mm-hmm. tried
0: one playthrough, just every time I made it, two dogs, as soon as they gave birth, throwing them both just overboard. Them away. Mm. Um, oh, because we didn't mention that, but the other thing you can do to oh, yes. to purify the dogness percent is <laughs> you can click on dogs and fling them over the wall, and they make a little noise, and then they're no longer affecting your average.
1: It's it's um, very satisfying to just grab them, just <laughs> whip <whiffle laughs> them, and they just go. they just go flying. They go those poor little puppers yeah just cruising um Um, yeah so i mean
0: uh, the question i think everyone wants the answer to is what was the highest percent you got
1: uh so the highest like overall average i got was 60 Ah, percent ah yes 68 Uh, (laughs) what was your what was your uh highest individual dogness from a dog though i think 70 (laughs) Haha, <laughs> 86. Oh,
0: what? <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, see the, the time when I got 68, I actually did not. Actually, no, 70 couldn't have been my highest. I think it was low 70s. But mm. I had like really close, like a really small range. See, I only I only had like five dogs at the time cuz as the timer was closing out, in mm. order to maximize my final score, mm. I just took all the lowest dogs and just flung them out really fast. Oh.
1: So see, I just- was I was end. much more focused on like getting as many dogs in to get me like as close to the uh, as close to the ideal as possible. I really wanted to get a hundred percent dog, but it was it's hard, yeah. especially because the yeah. rounds are like pretty quick. They they can't be more than you know like three a few minutes, minutes or something.
0: Yeah. Well, I read an interview, it's a short interview where he said that at Petrucini, uh Perocchini, Petru- oh man, I should have looked that up. Oh well, it's, it's probably P- Chini. Paolo said that. Um, That He's not actually sure if it is, like, practically possible to get 100%. (laughs) He said he could usually consistently get 70, but...
1: (laughs) That's that's something that's fun about uh, a lot of the games we play here, is a lot of them are, like, uh, not necessarily unpolished, but they're not made for, like, a huge uh, audience, so they don't necessarily, like, have expectations or haven't, like, coded uh, for... Like millions and millions of people to play it, so they don't really yeah. like know if victory is possible. Yeah, um, and it's just it's, really it's funny kind of a the, fun you can thing.
0: Like, you can make a thing and not even know like if yeah it, it, what
1: it does. Like that's so like funny. you can but have yeah. an idea of its limits, but no actual like total. Like, I guess certainty.
0: if you could, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd be I'd be really curious to see someone get like up into the 90s yeah. because some of the dogs I got. Basically, the thing I found is that uh, you could always get like two thirds of the traits like perfect. And then after that, it was just a crap shoot. So you yeah. have like the height and sort of like the fit th- thickness of your dog kind of like perfect, but then the color would be all jacked. And at that point it's like, well, basically I want the exact same dog, but like all the way red. And then I just want to breed it with that to get the right color. And it's just like not really <laughs> a possibility. Um, yeah. I mean,
0: um, it would be interesting to
1: play this game. I mean, there's something kind of
0: like fun and like puzzle game esque about like trying to match match the dogs. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It would be fun to like have a version of the game that had no time limit and just see what the, Ooh,
1: sure. what, the
0: what the true mechanical limits are. I mean, I did notice that um, there was, especially early game, a little bit of randomness in uh, how well I did. Like some mm. some games, I just like had a I just got a couple good births
1: early well, on. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and also I think the sort of like target dog, since that's a random.
0: Oh yeah, sort of, I didn't even think of that. But the, yeah. the
1: target dog can actually like really screw you over because if they're, uh, if any of their traits are like in the extreme, uh, so like for example, one of the final rounds I did despite like feeling like I had learned how to be better at the game, the dog was like completely all the way red. So Mm. it was really hard. Like I ended up only getting like a 70, like a 60 or 70% dogness on my highest dog because, uh, just the fact that it was so red was just like, well, everything else could be perfect, but it's like deep, deep red. And this one is like totally fucked up. So you'd kind of, uh, if you had something that was kind of in the middle of everything, uh, I feel like that's yeah. going to have like the highest likelihood of, of getting, a you know, uh, really a, a single dog with really high dogness.
0: That, that makes a lot of sense to me actually. Um,
1: mm. hmm. yeah, better. Everything I say makes sense. Well, that's just not true. Uh, but, but anyway, um, I guess we haven't really talked about like the sort of politics of this game, which the, I feel like the is, point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the capital P point. Um, um, yeah. Well, what do you, what do you have to say about that? Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I think it's like, I don't know. It's I kinda, mean, I think it, go ahead.
0: well, okay. I think it speaks to, I mean, it's, it's, Kind of clever. It's kind of funny. It um, it's kind of interesting. But it sort of like speaks to the the sum of the limits of the like simulation argument mm-hmm. genre or something like that. Or like mm-hmm. I guess Ian Bogost would call them uh, procedural rhetoric games or something like that. Games where mm-hmm. like the it's just like one mechanic that like has a message. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most the kind of one of the like favorite examples of this sort of thing, at least in academic circles is September Mm. 12th, which is that game. It's about like, uh, anti-terrorism military Mm. actions where you're trying to shoot bombs at people who are ostensibly terrorists in Mm. some unnamed Middle Eastern country. Um, and, but your bombs are inaccurate and your, and there's a delay, um, when you shoot them and the mm-hmm. uh, area of effect's so big that you will inevitably hit civilians, mm-hmm. and when civilians get hit, um, their friends and family get mad, and then they become terrorists, so you can't win the game. So the Honestly. implication is that military intervention in response to 9-11 is it's unwinnable game, is the, like, yeah, the sure. argument that the game makes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like that's kind of like neat and interesting but it seems I don't know there's only so much you can do with that it kind of like it has a, a limit of being kind of one dimensional sometimes
1: yeah it can it can kind of become a gimmick where it's like oh the whole thing is that you can't win or that like what yeah. you're doing the negative effects are equal or greater to the positive effects so why do the thing <laughs> uh, and I don't know I feel, I feel like a lot of I think part of the problem is that uh, political games, uh, in most cases, are not, uh, you know, very financially, uh, you know, viable. It's not like you're going to make a bunch of money yeah, yeah. making like a strictly political game. So they end up being sort of smaller, single mechanic sort of expressions, uh, and so they can be like uh, kind of poignant in a moment, but they sort of wear mm-hmm. out their welcome very quickly. Um, yeah. But I guess, how do you feel about how well uh, this game, Dogness, uh, sort of, um, I guess, I don't know. Expresses gets its to, argument? Expresses its, its argument, yeah. That's well,
0: it. I mean, one thing that I thought made it a little more, like, bring home a little bit more, I didn't know going in, um, mm. but it makes sense a lot of sense when I learned it. Um, but the he said that his inspiration for the game was... He learned. I forget the guy's name, but uh, like colleague of Darwin in the nineteenth century, mm-hmm. um, or not a colleague, but contemporary of Darwin, misinterprets Darwin's idea of natural selection. Social Darwinism becomes a thing. People believe that, uh, like, they start thinking of um, like pseudoscientific justifications for racism, and then at the same time that this is happening. Uh, in England, um, purebred dogs become more and more popular.
1: Mm. And if you
0: actually like look at the historical record, there, these things are totally mm. related. Like, like people's kind of like uh, justifications for like their understanding of how human like race works, mm. um, like maps onto their understanding of how dog breeds work. And uh, it's uh. like it's not a coincidence that the word mongrel its origin is as both a uh, a word for, like, non-purebred dogs and for, mm. like, mixed-race humans. Huh. So, yeah. So, I mean, th- that was actually really interesting. Um, kind of, like, and so his point is, like, that dog breeding has the same kind of, like, bad understanding of how genetics work that pseudoscientific racist eugenics did
1: oh okay so i was like i didn't
0: i did not know that that is really interesting yeah that's actually
1: Um, very interesting i i kind of wanted to like talk about the role that uh the fact that it's like dog breeding plays into you know the the game and the sort of the themes of mm -hmm. i guess um you know homogenous you know sort of fascist populist themes so i'm glad you brought that up because it seems like they're, that can't be unintentional. That yeah, dogs yeah. are sort of the mechanism, um, with which that is, you know, conveyed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. Uh,
0: I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. I, I, it's sort of like thinking about like dog breeding as a thing, and it is really creepy. It's oh, just
1: yeah, it's like it's just up. like
0: it's like we've created these like these breeds that can barely breathe. And yeah. they, they like, oh, yeah. and it's all for like, for like either Sadistic just, pleasures, yeah either profit <laughs> or like a sadistic pleasure in like training this thing to be a hundred percent obedient to you and to yeah. be your, like your art object almost. It, it's, or or <laughs> even,
1: even just to be pleasant to look at, like. Yeah. I, I think of to treat was, a living being as
0: like an artwork, it's creepy.
1: Yeah, like when I was a when I was younger, I would used to like really want like a French bulldog because they're just like really cute, but they just have like horrible health problems. Yeah, and like they do. something <laughs> like a King Charles like Cavalier King Charles Spaniel or like they're just like known just have like horrible livers because of like generations of inbreeding and less like yeah. crossbreeding that never L- literally have
0: hundreds of years of
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like Hey, these things are like really cute and tiny uh, because we like tricked, we like used evolutionary or not evolutionary, I guess, sort of like um, just like pure primal instincts against these animals to trick them into mating with <laughs> something they probably shouldn't really be compatible with and creating these monstrosities. Yeah. <laughs> but look how cute they are. <laughs> these ones yeah. don't shed their hair, <laughs> <But> they're hypoallergenic. <laughs> Uh but it's interesting because you would ne- like if if someone were to suggest like hey what if we like bred all the different races of human together for generations and generations until we created the world's most perfect human that is like genetically ideal everyone would be like well that's fucking fucked up and horrible don't <laughs> yeah, do don't that. do that <laughs> but when you do it with dogs it's just like hell yeah man
0: let's it's get it it's cute yeah i mean yeah. yeah it's it's like it's such a I mean, thank God that that's, that doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if only it didn't, we could, uh, extend that to all species. Oh my um, God. Um, what was I going to say? I had a thought about this. Um, I don't remember. I mean, the thing about like, uh, I was just reading this, um, this novel for class. Uh, it's about like, it's a science fiction novel. It's about like, uh, like biotechnology. Um, and there's this character that says, um, says something like, like, even if we had the technology to like start selecting our traits, it's just so reckless to like assume, you know, what evolutionary traits your species Mm. is going to need like years down the line. And he says, like, he's, he's like, what if there's an ice age? Should we start breeding for having extra fur? I don't know. Mm. So it's like, It's like there's just something so, like, uh, hubristic about the idea of being like, ah, I know what kind of bodies we want to be making for humans.
1: Mm, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it gets – you're starting to get into Jurassic Park territory. (laughs) Oh, the – what's the thing he says? Wonder – we spent so long wondering not we could. We didn't stop to think whether or not we should or Ah, something to that effect. Classic pop
0: pop culture uh, critique of science.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of pressure. Actually, if you've read the, I don't know if you ever read the book, Jurassic Park. Oh, I haven't, no. It's actually pretty different. It's much darker, and it's like, basically the whole thing is about, like, chaos theory and, like, humans trying to play God instead of being, like, a really good, entertaining movie. And then also there's, like, this guy over here that's just like, Hey, chaos theory, hey, maybe we had a hubris. (laughs) It's kind of like what the whole book is about. And in the book, like everyone, most of the main characters are like dead by the end or like severely maimed or like crippled. It's, it's like really huh. dark. Uh, and again, this is, or maybe not again, this is my, uh, uh, how I interpret it when I read it when I was like 15 or 16. So <laughs> maybe this is, uh, the 15, yeah. 16 year old brain talking. When, brain. when, when you were 15, you were like, hashtag I was like, this is, this I is remember. Deep. I remember explaining to my honors English teacher and I, I was huh. like, Hey, have you ever read Jurassic park? And he's like, no, I'm like, I'm like, man, dude, the, 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 it's thematically like so much more complex than the movie. And I was like <laughs> trying to like sell my, my English Jurassic teacher. Park. on like reading Jurassic park <laughs> because I was like, I was like, yeah, man, I was just like reading it. Like I would read any book for the class. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff in there. And <laughs> it was, he was um, obviously excited. Cause I was uh, engaging in the intrinsic pleasures of reading. Um, Um, I'm
0: trying to, I feel like he's actually read a lot of, or he, he, what's the author's name? Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. He wrote a lot of stuff that like became movies, didn't he? I feel like he was, he he was he wrote Westworld. Yeah. He wrote Westworld. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was kind of like known as like, so Jurassic Park, the script for the movie and the book were written in tandem, both by Michael Crichton. Uh, the book sort of like by himself and then the movie with steven spielberg but they were like people think that he wrote the book like it they think it's sort of the standard thing that happens where someone writes a book and then people read the book and like the book so someone decides to make a movie out of it and they buy the movie rights Uh, but that wasn't the case uh michael crichton was like basically like telling steven spielberg about this book he was writing and this is all half remembered paraphrasing so this is probably not totally accurate but basically he was like telling steven spielberg like hey i'm working on this book about dinosaurs and steven spielberg's like hey i was i've heard about these this crazy technology that we could put dinosaurs in a movie so you should write a movie too like you should work with me and we should write a movie and so they actually i think the book still did end up coming out first uh but it wasn't like a, a thing where like someone took a book and translated it into a movie they were written at the same time sort of like in tandem so that's one of the i did not know that yeah it's one of the interesting ways that like they kind of um i don't know they diverge in many ways that like a standard like uh adaptation from book to movie wouldn't because it's just like hey certain parts of writing a book don't make sense so if you're like writing them both at the same time you like sort of take a different approach and uh i don't know it's it's kind of an interesting an interesting thing um, yeah, But anyway, um, I, oh, yeah.
0: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we, uh, we, uh, you know, as we do got a little bit off of the, uh, off mm. of the dogness train. Um, uh, one thing I, I was wondering about the game, unless you had more things to say about Dresk park. No, no. I'm good. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, is what, so some of the dogs will mate without you doing it, right? Sure. they do it on their own. I was curious what would happen if you just, like, let the game run. Mm. And I didn't have this idea until after I had already stopped playing. I didn't get a chance to play again before we recorded. But I'd be curious, mm-hmm. do you think, what do you think happens? I really want to uh,
1: know now. My assumption is just that they don't just really random breed it. Yeah, uh, my assumption is that it's just kind of random, and they don't. they won't ever really breed enough to, like, give substantial results mm-hmm. um i'm curious how it would work if you like locked the pen at the very start and then just didn't do anything and so oh, there were only, yeah. like those four starting dogs like would they all yeah. die off before it ran out of time or would they do they only mate as like a a way of you know trying to keep the population i'm not really sure it's one of those things where i i kind of wish that there was a mode where you could play without a timer and just sort of like yeah. see how perfect you can get the dogs or just have, like, run weird little just experiments. Just watch the simulation. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: I think I, when they made on their own, they never inbreed, though. Uh, maybe that's not true, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a, the uh, kind of cool thing about, like, this sort of, like, simulation-style game is it's, like... It, like... There's so much room to, like, just experiment like you know so much fun not even doing the goal of the game and just like testing stuff out i sort of mm-hmm. feel that way about games like uh i guess the sims is a good example but also mm-hmm. the the classic you know c- city building games like sim city mm-hmm. it's just like what happens if i cause a natural disaster here yeah. Uh,
1: yeah yeah it's actually um i don't know it's kind of funny how these sort of like i don't know when you just give people a a box of just like here are the interactions you can do just like run wild uh people will come up with some pretty crazy shit
0: yeah Um, okay this is kind of a tangent but did you know that the sims was actually i mean you kind of see get this playing it but it's a satirical game it's like it's supposed to be like making fun of the like um the like monotony of middle class um, sure, like
1: consumerism I mean, if anything, I feel like the thing that makes that, like, most apparent is the soundtrack from The Sims, which is amazing. Oh, I do not remember this oh, soundtrack my God. at all. D- just go on Spotify. It's there. Listen to the song Mall Rat from Sim- The Sims 1. It is, Sims, oh, it's so good. Mall it's amazing. It's just, like, this, like, goofy, like, violin-driven, like, ugh. It just sounds like a, uh-huh. a 1950s, like, uh, sitcom or something. But it's, oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested to go back and play, like, The Sims 1 as uh, as an adult. Because as a kid, we were just, yeah. like, did it. Because you could do all kinds of, like, goofy, ridiculous things. Like, I don't know, we would do horrible things. Like, put people in the pool and then take away the ladder so they'd swim until they got really jacked <laughs> and yeah. then died. Or, like- or, we'd, or we'd do things like... Uh, Start a fire and lock them in. Yeah, or if you make them mourn, like, so if one of your sims dies and then they, like, they get represented in the game by like a little urn or, yeah. uh, and if you just make people like mourn over the urn repeatedly, then they'll just eventually die. They'll just get really depressed and they'll just die. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's just like, so think about it's just like these horrible fucked up things that you're doing to these like little pretend people because you're a child and you have a <laughs> deep sickness in your heart. You're like, it's like the 21st century version of Sid from,
0: uh, <laughs> from Toy Story.
1: Um, yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, it'd be interesting to kind of, like, go back. Because you can definitely, like, just think about how much time you spend in The Sims, like, building your little, like, house. And just, like, I don't know. It's it's definitely...
0: Let me think. I must have been 13 when I played that game.
1: So, so
0: one of the things that's... um, So, for my PhD, we do what's called an Orals List, where you... Normally, it's 60 novels. uh, And you read them, and you take a big test on it. Mine is going to have a substantial number of video games on it, including a bunch of old uh, simulation, like management sims from the 90s, and even Mm. a couple from the 80s. So uh, later this year, I will be doing that. I will be going back and playing all those weird sim games. Oh, that'll be be, fun. I know, I'm super excited. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'll find an obscure enough one that we can play it on the podcast.
1: Oh, that'd be kind of fun. Or even, I guess one thing we haven't done is like, played an older game. That's just like, I know at some point yeah. I talked about playing like the original rogue. Yeah. Another.
0: It, so one that I found when I was making my orals list, it's this game called utopia. And it's, it's like an early God game, like management resource management. Um, mm-hmm. that is kind of the inspiration for Civ. So mm. it's like super simple. It's from the eighties. Wow. Uh, that might be, that might be fun to play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but anyway, but before we, like, I don't know, totally get on to talking about things that aren't dogness, (laughs) I kind of want to talk about, like, so we've talked about how sort of the, like, the politics of, like, I don't know, maybe eugenics um, Mm -hmm. are conveyed by this game. But how do you feel about the actual, like, uh, I don't know, I feel like going into this game, I was expecting it to be a little bit more, like, Trumpian, get the Mexicans out of America Type situation, yeah. but I feel like in that regard it kind of flounders a little bit, and I feel like it pokes fun in a way that doesn't feel like necessarily like damning or in like critique, it doesn't feel like yeah. it's totally like being like ah what a horrible idiot idea. It's just kind of like I don't know. I guess how do you feel about it? It makes eugenics fun. Yeah. Right. No. Like, no, no. <laughs> No, it doesn't do that.
0: I, I I think I'll give it a little more credit than that. I mean, that's I think that's true. Like it, the, the the only two like markers that make it feel like a sort of contemporary critique are. I mean, and maybe it's not really about Trump. It's really about mm-hmm. like like classical eugenics. I don't know, but mm-hmm. is the the wall around the dog park really kind of mm-hmm. uh, like visually feels like the U.S.-Mexico border wall to me. Sure. And then the um, the make Park great again It's that. I would say, I mean, one thing I would say about, like, like, satire of Trump in general, I sort of feel mm. this way about, like, like The Daily Show and that sort of thing sometimes, is, like, mm. it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, like, it, Like a true like authoritarian demagogue is not particularly harmed by satire, and mm. there's like, and like historically this is just true. Like if you look at the in the '30s, there's all these. I mean, people were posting this after Trump got elected, and everyone was making yes. fun of him. But like, like there are this a very well documented history of like. Hitler being satirized and people saying Hitler was unserious and he's dumb and you don't need to take him seriously, yeah. you know, until until you do, and yeah. then, and then it's a it's a little bit of a bigger deal than you were prepared for. Yeah. So I mean I don't I don't want to I mean I like Mull um, Industria mm. uh, in general, so I don't want to I don't wanna give it too hard a time, but mm. I, I do think that um, the like satire of well you know, satire of fascism can only go so far. It, like, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not the, the way you stop fascism.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that's sort of where it left me feeling a little bit of a, of a, a hole. Like, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the whole like eugenics having the sort of like similar trajectory of like purebred dogs. Yeah. Cause I I, 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 wasn't aware of that aspect. So that actually like, I don't know, provides a nice like context that kind of makes it all mm-hmm. a little bit more successful. But, um, I, it's just kind of like, Oh, it's funny because it's like a horrible futile effort to like, try and make everything pure. Am I right guys? And it's all like, yeah, just, also like, just, they might I, still try the Holocaust. Remember that? <laughs> that was yeah. pretty bad. And like, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, in a way it actually works better as a critique of, um, of act literal dog breeding than of like, like, yeah. Racism absolutely. and xenophobia because like, uh, it like points out that they rely on a similar kind of assumption of mm-hmm. how species work. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, absolutely.
0: So I will say that um, I had some. I mean, I, one thing I also will say about kind of like the Malayindustria satire games. I think they work much like the most effective ones. I think are satirizing like um, like kind of consumer culture and that sort of thing. Mm, uh, sure. And I think I think that it's just a little bit more. I don't know like there are certain kinds of bad things that I think are more like poignantly exposed by satire than others mm, and so like sure. um, so I, I, I think that it it does say something the 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 phone game was was taken off the iTunes store yeah, there are powerful absolutely. people who felt threatened by it so like I I think it something can be said about about that but
1: Yeah, yeah. I, that actually that actually brings like a good uh, like a really good point about sort of like how sort of like consumerism is uh, kind of m- more, it's more harmful to consumerism to uh, have something satirize it than it is like a politician. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, like you think about like so many uh, like corporations just place value on brands. Like the brand is the yeah. most important thing. So someone making fun of your brand and successfully making people laugh at your brand is, damaging. yeah, they
0: feel threatened. Yeah. That's actually a great point. Cause like, you know, the, 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 uh, a satire or a critique or an expose of a, of a brand can reduce sales, which <laughs> they know they don't like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if Trump's actually going to try to enact uh, insane like immigration controls, all he mm. wants you to do is, you know, nothing. Like it, he, making yeah. fun of him doesn't stop him. The ICE doesn't yeah. need need you to be nice to them for them to do their job. So absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: And and the other thing with with brands, I guess, I, I don't know why we're talking about brands. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a little, rant, do it. Talk about is, brands is like, there's going a thing, brand. There's the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's this thing where, um, like brands have kind of discovered how to use Twitter, which is that you just hire someone who's really funny and have them yeah. tweet, like funny, weird shit, uh, at, at both like just regular people and at other brands uh, and you have these things of people being like, oh, like Wendy's is so awesome because their Twitter is so funny. It's like, no. listen, like Wendy's is still a corporation that's trying to get money by making you fat. Like <laughs> like
0: <they're, laughs> yeah, they, they paid one one dude to be funny like,
1: just because they got a guy who, you know, was a comedian to run their Twitter account. Doesn't mean that, like, you should like Wendy's more. Like, I know. I don't know. I actually, I, I wanna,
0: you want to find the person behind. It's like. Wendy's isn't funny. Some, yeah, you know, Jimbo Bob McGibbons is funny.
1: Jimbo Bob McGibbons,
0: <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: But no, like I, I follow the uh, the Twitter account for Moonpie, which like a Moonpie. I've had one Moonpie in the last five years, and I was just like, this is terrible. But you know why I bought that Moonpie? Because the Moonpie Twitter is really funny, <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's clearly no a very idea. like c- creative person. That's just, like, really funny, and then I remember just, like, being, oh, I should, like, try a moon pie again, and I (laughs) ate one. I was like, this is horrible, and then I still find myself every once in a while, like, while I'm, like, reading whatever, like, goofy moon pie tweet, just being like, I kind of want a moon pie, even though, like, I know that I'm not going to enjoy it, and it's it's kind of fucked up because I feel like – are Moon
0: Pies that? good? I f- are they the things with the like the two cookies and the frosting yeah. in between? Dude, they're not good. They're not good? I remember them being good so, as a kid. So, okay,
1: it, it potentially could be good. Uh, the thing I remember doing as a kid, well, I guess the thing that I remember as a kid is that they were only ever in convenience stores. So it was never like a thing that I got normally. It was just like we're on a road trip and we're in Texas, and I guess Texas convenience stores sell Moon Pies. So I guess I'm getting a Moon Pie. yeah uh, <laughs> But the thing I always remember is that, like, they were good with milk because they're just dry as hell. And as an adult eating them, Mm. they are indeed just incredibly dry. It's like those cookies are just sawdust. It's like a half-gram cracker, half sawdust. They're so dry. So, like, maybe if you're, like, dipping it in milk, it would be all right. But anyway, again, sort of losing the plot here. But uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, people trust brands so mm-hmm. so easily but they uh,
0: also they also grab the torches and pitchforks against brands so easily i mean maybe not so easily but uh-huh. when when they turn against the brands they do it in a big way like sure. i i remember following the the um it was, was united right when united took that doctor off the plane yeah
1: um I think it was and united
0: it was like like their stock like dropped fifteen percent overnight. Na- or not, sure, I don't sure. I don't know what percent it was. It was some insane percent. Yeah. And it's like it's like people spend all their time like complaining about how much they hate airlines. Mm-hmm. But then it's like there's the one thing that goes viral, uh, and then it's like then they really hate their airline.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think what you and I have done now is we've just cracked the code. To uh, getting a Trump impeachment, which is that to target the brands that are funding the Trump. Brands. And take the brands the down. Brands! The brands. Take you down know, the brands, make, man. Use satire games to take down the brands, to remove the funding. you got to cut the, the source. you got to cut off the source. And that's how we get right. Trump out
0: of here. Yeah, that's, I, uh, well, no, what we really have to do is stage a a man getting forcefully taken off a plane and then make it look like Trump was responsible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a hardworking blue has to be a doctor. Ha- has
0: to be a doctor. Cause that, I think that was part of the reason I went viral is cause he was like, I have patients I have to see. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if he was like, I'm a banker, people might've been
1: like, eh, <laughs> I think I see I think you need like a nice working class american cuz you got to turn Trump's base against him right Yeah
0: yeah but, but like like it has to be a really like um like just over the top sort of like working class thing like an out of work steel worker or something or like, like or like a down, a, a down on
1: his luck factory a person Factory, who builds yeah. habitat for Humanity houses or something.
0: <laughs> or we can go that way too. <laughs> uh, anyway,
1: um, <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to say about uh, dogness? I uh, know uh, that was
0: um, that was all I had. So I guess we can introduce our
1: next episode. Which you want to do the honors? Uh, I'm I'm I know why you you pawned this off on me because the name of this. Next game is not in English, so I'm going to botch it. Well, I guess <laughs> probably not. It's not that hard. Uh, but uh, Levedad by uh, Julian Cordero, who you may remember from, like, way, way back in, like... Episode 2! Episode two. 2, yeah. We played that game called Trees. 70s. Uh, yes, yeah, 70s. Don't worry, I didn't forget. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the creators of that game is uh, Julian Cordero, so... Uh, I have kind of followed him since then, and uh, this is like his next solo game. Since then, I think there might uh, there might have been stuff in between. Anyway, I saw that he made this game, and it seemed interesting. So we are going to play it. Yeah. Um. You can find that uh, on itch.io at solimporta.itch.io. Uh, we'll have like links to that on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And
0: uh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of going cool. back to the the. In a, like really going back to the original kind of premise of this game or this uh, podcast which is like what's a strange surprising game we can find on the internet uh, this yeah, one we're, seems we're, like Cordero doesn't fail to deliver so yeah we're
1: going back to our roots is what Jordan is to telling. our roots uh, but anyway you can, uh, you can find us on Twitter at EdgeguardCast mm-hmm. you should do so and yell at us cause maybe find us on Twitter then I'll like follow you back and then I'll like Play yeah your that's game. we will
0: and if you have a game you'd like us to play shoot us a tweet and there's a very good chance we will play it um and also if you just know of a game you'd like us to play shoot us a tweet and we will probably play it we're always looking for uh new and interesting games on itch or yeah. elsewhere to play so
1: hell yeah man uh but anyway with that we'll uh we'll leave it to to next week until next time